0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: It's Thursday, February the 1st, and your Ben Jarofsky show starts now. Today on the show, Ben welcomes back 48th Ward Alderwoman... Lenny Hoppenworth. The Ben Jarofsky Show, a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what's happening in politics, what's happening in art, you want to get that new podcast, The Sit Down with Shawnee Dez, it's all there for you. Just head to ChicagoReader.com. You'll find it real easy. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash jarovsky That's J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y.
2: Hello, everybody. Ben jarovsky here. We're calling this Brandon Wins Thursday, and here's why. All right, I'm going to be as cool and dispassionate as I possibly can about what I'm about to say because I know that no matter what I say it will uh, upset somebody. And uh, that's the way it is on this particular issue of the war in the Middle East, uh, if you call it a war. And it is very much a war. (laughs) And uh, so yesterday, the Chicago City Council voted, uh, well, 23 to 23 with the mayor casting the deciding vote to support a ceasefire in the Middle East. I wholeheartedly supported that endeavor. Had I been an alderman, which is such a joke, the notion that I could ever get elected to anything, I would have voted for it as well. So I'm going to pause for a moment before I get into the merits of it and concentrate on Brandon Johnson, Mayor Brandon Johnson. For the last, ooh, I don't know, six months or so at least, uh, the narrative on Brandon Johnson uh, and his rule at the city council in the city of Chicago as a whole is one that I've sort of been supporting. That he was not really in charge, not really in command, didn't understand how the game was played, didn't have the aides or allies or legislative gurus that was helping him to help him shepherd through whatever legislation he wanted to get through, even though he had some victories. That was sort of the uh, take on Brandon Johnson, Mayor Brandon Johnson, Uh, that nice guy, but he can't get things done. Well, yesterday he got something done. As I said, 23 to 23, it was a tie vote on the resolution calling for a ceasefire in the Middle East. And uh, he passed the decisive vote uh, to approve the ceasefire. It's interesting what the response is. The response from people who support the the resolution for a ceasefire, as do I, uh, is one of relief and the hope that in some ways, and I realize uh, this is an exceedingly unlikely But that in some ways, this will help advance the cause of peace in Gaza and in Israel. Uh, I realize one more time, it is extremely unlikely uh, that it will have an impact, but nonetheless, uh, it's important that the city of Chicago register its voice on this matter for many different reasons. Uh, Number one, the United States is a huge mediator uh in this conflict so we have a role in this we're playing a role in what goes on in the middle east number two the united states is a huge funder of israel so our tax dollars are at play here uh and number three within the democratic party itself uh there is a growing movement of support for palestinian rights and that is the new element uh, into this mix. I've been around a long, long time. I've been following Middle East politics for a long, long time. I have been in midst passionate discussions with people on all sides of this issue. And I have pretty much heard absolutely every argument that anyone has ever made on this issue. Until now, until now there has never been a strong voice pushing for Palestinian rights. And now we see it. We see it in our streets with marches. We see it at uh, at Chicago Public Schools with walkouts by uh, uh, students. Uh, We see it in the halls of Congress where there are Democratic legislators who are speaking up on behalf of Palestine, Palestinians. Uh, And we're seeing it in the city council where there's strong voices of support for Palestinian rights. And I think it's that, I think it's that voice that's been given to people who've had no voice in this discourse that is so threatening to so many people. I think that's really the unspoken threat. And so Brandon Johnson, he made his decision. He said, I am going to stand for peace in the Middle East. I am going to be as neutral as I can be uh, in this particular conflict. I am going to acknowledge the lives lost on October 7th when Hamas slaughtered innocent Israelis. And I'm also going to acknowledge the lives lost, the thousands and thousands of lives lost subsequent to October 7th when Israel retaliated, the lives of Palestinians in Gaza. And that resolution yesterday does not take a stand in any specific way on whether israel's right or palestine's right what happened in 1948 what happened in 1967 what happened in 1973 etc and so forth doesn't take a stand it merely says that we want peace it's that very neutrality i think that is so upsetting to so many people cuz it is a change and it's a threatening change. And it's a change that the Democratic Party is really struggling to deal with. Have their voices being heard, mm-hmm. not been heard in the past. And how does the Democratic Party go forward with that? That's the challenge. Joe Biden is facing that challenge in a political way coming into November's election. And Democrats across the country are going to have to deal with that in a very real way. And we dealt with it here in the city of Chicago. Why do I call it a triumph for Brandon Johnson? Because that was his position. He wanted that resolution passed. And he did what he had to do, legislatively speaking, to pass it. He got four alder people who had previously said they weren't going to vote for the resolution. At that point, not the That's leadership. Whether you like the outcome or not, if, just imagine if had pulled it off, Mayor Rahm. Just imagine the coverage for Mayor Rahm in the papers today. Oh, my God, the maestro. He truly understands politics. He knows how the game is played. Just imagine it was Joseph Madigan, the master of Springfield, once again plays his hand. I remember going back to when the White Sox Stadium uh, had to be funded by the state. This is ancient history. Probably none of you remember. But Jim Thompson was the governor at the time. Somehow or other, they, they stopped the clock. The official clock stopped so he could muster up the votes he needed. So they didn't miss their deadline. I mean, I could go so far back as the LBJ and how he twisted arms and did what he had to do uh, to get legislation passed through the Senate when he was the leader of the Senate. So I got to give him credit. I got to give Brandon Johnson credit. Put aside, whatever your p- opinion is of this legislation guess, or this resolution. Well, I know it's threatening to a lot of people. I'm Put that right. aside. He shows that he's learning how to play the game. Definitely, when I consider it in contrast to how he handled uh, the matter of um, sanctuary city. Remember that I one? Mean, Where it was, uh, he ended the up the with Alderman standing in the hallway trying to block Alderman from having Passageway to getting to the city council. (laughs) We've come a long way, Brandon Johnson. I read in the papers that he was on the phone pleading his case, and it worked. So it's a new day in the city of Chicago. It's a new day, both in terms of the voice of the left being heard, uh, and it's also a new day uh, I guess for Mayor Brandon Johnson going forward. Showing he's learning how to play the game, got what he wanted out of the Chicago City Council. Uh, and we'll see if he can do work this magic, so to speak, his legislative magic, if he could be the maestro that Madigan was, that Rom was. Daly didn't even have to worry about this. Although, if you call, you recall Mayor Daly did have to deal with a, a veto on the big box ordinance. And when he got all of them to flip on that and go his way, what did they say about him? That's the mayor. That, that's a man who knows how to run the city. <laughs> so come on, guys. All you said that about Mayor Daly, and Mayor Rahm, I think it's time you give Brandon Johnson his due. All right. Uh, without further ado, I want to bring on my guests. The distinguished alderman and the uh, board, Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, who was at the city council meeting yesterday. Uh, and watch the debate go down. Welcome back, Lenny.
0: Ben, thanks for having me. You know, yesterday, I wish you were there. Did you listen to it? Because if listen you listen to-, to it, you 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 can't get the same feeling uh, about a meeting unless you're actually there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there's something about the microphones that kind of blocks the experience that um, you could get when you're actually in the room. Um, because it's not just uh, who's behind me, because I sit in the third row, and the the, uh, public speakers are right behind me, but there's also another whole floor, and um, it was completely full. I mean, folks have been um, coming to our city council meetings in droves, right, Um, because they want to have their voices heard. Of course, we have the regulars, like uh, George Blakemore, who comes To every single meeting, but we also have folks who are coming in maybe for the first time, um, maybe since October to have their voices heard about what we really need to be talking about, which is not, I don't think so much as being neutral, but on the side of human life and valuing human life, no matter if you're in the city of Chicago or around the globe, we value human life. And that's, that's what Democrats do. You know, we come together to figure out ways that we affirm life, no matter who, who you are, whether, whatever your identity or your, your class, you know, Mm -hmm. this should cut across race and class and ethnicity and the color of your skin. And, you know, what kind of religion you, you follow. But, but right now we're in this time when we're thinking like, calling for peace and calling for um, unconditional release of hostages and ensuring humanitarian access is neutral. I, I don't know, Ben, I I take issue with that. <laughs> I think that um, yesterday the city council was packed. It was packed. It was not only folks who, and as you may or may not know, you know, we have the largest population of um, Palestinians in the in the nation, right? Right here in the Chicagoland area. And um and also for um the Jewish population too, right? Like we have the highest population of Jewish people in Chicago. And we have people who just value human life who are showing up and making their voices heard. And again, like I said, maybe it's for the first time, but they're signing up and 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 they're taking the three minutes that they have either by Zoom or on the microphone, right, right behind my my chair. I sit on the third row. And and um they're they're participating in democracy. These are young people. These are people who feel like they have been talking about this for, for many years now. And and we're finally bringing it to the forefront because of what happened on October 7th, where we had, you know, over 1200 israelis killed and and 240 hostages israeli hostages taken by hamas you know and right now it's not just what's happening in gaza it's happening in in the 48th ward where i represent edgewater and andersonville and, and uptown where we have neighbors we have neighbors who are hurting because they have family there and, we, and and it's not just happening here in the 48th Ward. It's happening all across this, the city where somebody has been impacted either personally or they have family over there in Gaza. And, and not just here, it's happening in, in City Hall where we have colleagues who have family and who, who are hurting because of what's happening over there in Gaza. And fine, you know, I am a new alder person you know started last may and my jurisdiction is supposed to be for fifty-four thousand people you know i'm just one of 50 alder people in the city of chicago right and we're supposed to like stay in our lane but there's there's a there's a moment right now that we're in and i think it's a very important moment where we cannot we cannot We cannot ignore what's happening and we cannot ignore the pain of our neighbors and our colleagues. And we cannot continue to act like neutrality is the goal. We want to say that we value life and we value um, the hurt and and acknowledge the hurt that people are experiencing right now. And to not talk about it would be, I believe, a a dereliction of our duties as sitting elected officials in seats of power there's there's no reason to not lead with our values especially right now and so i voted to pass the substitute resolution for uniting for peace i i could you know, point to many things that we can agree on. You know, no matter, um, you know, where you stand on the the crisis that's happening in the Middle East right now, especially when we're talking about ensuring humanitarian access. You know, we're talking about land that has been devastated. Of look, I'm a I'm a healthcare worker. I'm I'm a I'm a mother, and I and I have had three children. <laughs> And, and, and right now we're talking about land that has no working hospitals. We have doctors, you know, who are saying that there is no place, no safe, sterile place for pregnant women of which there are tens of thousands to have emergency C-section. And they are actually doing these operations without anesthesia. And we're talking about more lives that are children, 10,000 children that are losing their limbs every single day. And they have to do these amputations again without sterile working conditions or anesthesia. This is wrong. You're talking about neutrality. I don't, I don't get it, Ben, you know, well, we're no, talking
2: the neutrality i was alluding to was that uh the language in the actual resolution did not get involved in the the histories of conflict in this region who was right who was wrong uh who's more justified than the other it dealt with the the what you were just talking about the reality of life in gaza uh, where people are getting bombed, and it's a horrific health conditions, and there's lack of food and water, and that this is a crisis that demands an immediate ceasefire. That is the neutrality that I was alluding to. You were very, you're right. You took a stand for peace and the end of war, and it called for a ceasefire. Uh, but I give credit to the ordinate, the resolution, and that, my humble opinion, it didn't get bogged down into the ol- the old uh, screaming matches and shouting matches about, again, what happened in 67, what happened in 48, what happened in 73, et cetera, and so forth. And it just dealt with this immediate disaster, catastrophe. So that's that's what I was alluding to when I said uh, neutral. And that, I think, irritates a lot of people, that it was neutral in that regards. Uh, and I, and I co- contrast it with what went down in October, where uh, the city council by voice vote passed a resolution that essentially said Israel has a right to defend itself. And I went on the mic then as saying, I would have been with Rosanna voting no on that one, because I don't want to encourage the kind of just overwhelming, violent, vengeful counterattack at this moment. This is just like, that that's that's what i was that's what i was getting at uh and uh, but when i meant neutral um so I get, uh, it. I get it yeah uh and um but let's get back to before we we talk about uh, what uh, yesterday's horrific news it's just like a horrific news day uh in um in the city of chicago yesterday uh, with the shootings in your ward uh i i just want to get into the whole issue of staying in your lane which I kind of smile at whenever the I, I make fun of, of the city council, Lenny, you know, this, you know me a long time uh, as much as anyone does. OK, so when uh, most aldermen have very parochial or many aldermen have very parochial views of the world, uh, they deal with service complaints by their constituents uh, and uh, they don't generally use the city council's form to deal with things outside of the ward or outside of the city. Uh, so when they do venture into matters of foreign policy, um, it it people der- mock them and say, "Stay in your lane." But my belief it's it's like only the people saying that is are people who are upset with the lane, <laughs> with with the the decision the city council makes. If you follow what I'm saying, so many of the people who are deriding uh, the council for what went down yesterday did not criticized the council in October when they passed a resolution uh, by voice vote supporting uh, Israel's right to defend itself, if you follow what I'm saying. It's, it's only now, I think it's really curious now when, again, what I call a neutral call for peace, that's when you hear people say, stay in your lane. Why are you bothering with this? This is a waste of your time to you be dealing with real issues that affect people in the city of Chicago. Do you follow what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely, I, I think that it is, you know, uh, and I, I, I do want to say that um, I'm here to make friends, right, Ben? I'm I'm here to to work with my colleagues to get things done because there's a lot of stuff that we need to address in in Chicago, from houselessness to jobs to small businesses, everything, and and so. I am I want to work with everyone. I understand that things are very difficult right now and we, we are hurting, you know. And I I respect my colleagues, you know, especially um the only sitting Jewish colleague in my row in and all of city council. And um and I have been listening to my constituents of which, you know, in Edgewater we have many. Jewish constituents, including um, we have a um, the self help home, which is the um, you know one of the first mutual aid organizations that um, is now a senior living center for for those who um, survived the Holocaust, right? So, but interestingly to me, it is not a race to the bottom, right? We can't twist the words around to make it. Um, you know, make sense to your, your own, uh, your own small bubble. We, we all want the same thing. And to, to what you're saying is if it, if it's not going your way, you're going to say something else yeah. like uh, twist it around and um, say, this is worth not worth your time. And um, to that, I say, this is, you're not listening to what the resolution actually says. It's exactly what you, what you said earlier. It, 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 it doesn't point to, Um, the historical, horrible nature of what's happening in the Middle East. It really speaks to the humanity of this moment and what we're about. And so to take a strong stance on our values should never be an issue, never be an issue. And so I, again, I, I feel that this was a very important time for us to stand up and to speak up for so many people who are hurting. And I think that I think that we can do better in terms of our processes. But this one, I think that we have been mulling over for too long. Like it's been over 100 days, right? Since this happened. And and we're all, I'm trying to figure it out. We're trying to do this all together. And I, I know tensions are high right now, but I feel very good about this resolution that was passed. And we need to start along the path of actually healing um our 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 people in chicago in our neighborhoods right now because that's that's where it has to start I, I to the point of what are we doing outside of our lane talking about foreign affairs we should care we should care it matters because we are we are all connected in some ways right and also we have representatives that that can actually move the needle on these issues and we Learned that in 2016, right? When we had a president that we did not want in office and what did we wanna do? We wanted to make a difference. And so we learned who actually represents us at the federal level. That's what we have to do, but we all have to work together. Now that I'm a sitting elder person in the 48th ward, of course, we're gonna have relationships with everybody including those at the state, county, federal levels. That's what we have to do is create the relationships here I'm not going to go over there to Palestine and, uh, you know, and and treat um, uh, a pregnant woman who has to have an emergency C-section. I can't do that. Right. And I'm not going to solve, you know, the two state solution, which we really actually need to create lasting peace in the Middle East right now. I can't do that. That's not in my lane. But what I can say is that it matters. It matters to people who are watching. It matters to young people. It matters to the Palestinians who have family over there, who live over here. And it matters to, to Jewish people who say, we need a, a ceasefire now, because we need to ensure that we're addressing the humanitarian crisis and making sure that people are getting what they need to lead at least, um, I, I don't even know what kind of life they're living in there right now, you know? we they are, There's no working, there's no water. There's no sanitary conditions, you know? there's There's no food. You know, there's actually like of, of all the starving people in the in the world right now. Ninety five percent of them are in 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 Gaza. That that's wrong. Like how how for us to not say anything would be wrong. So um, I don't know. Um, staying in lanes. I think that um, we we come from all over the place. You know, I'm I'm a, a daughter of Filipino immigrants. Right, like if something was happening over there of course i'm tied to that like i think that perhaps my um like i would be living in the philippines if not for colonialism and imperialism right like our our ancestors would still be in the in the land that they um you know that they want to be in but here we are in in this moment where i i am an american uh asian american and proud of it and also i'm tied to Uh, my ancestors in in another country and I think that that is really that's really it you know we are melted we are not a melting pot of every single um every single country but but we are such a diverse area in in Edgewater and we can't in Edgewater we're not going to turn a blind eye in this moment we have to address what's happening um in in Palestine because we have too many who have contacted us you know I've talked to other older people um, across the city of Chicago. We've had tens of hundreds of um, calls, emails, visits to the ward to talk about um, what's happening in city council and the resolutions that we're taking up. And um, most people that are coming to us are saying that we need an immediate humanitarian ceasefire because we value life. And, and we need to make sure that all the hostages are released and we need to ensure that we're, we're, um, making sure that people can access so that we can get people the things that they need, food, water, um, clean, safe conditions in living. So, um, it's not that I don't think complicated of an issue. And I think that people are trying to make it such, um, that it is complicated, but to me, it's not, it's just, um. To say that we value life and we value our neighbors' hurt, we we acknowledge our neighbors' hurt right now in this moment, um, and we, as uh, again, as people who have worked really hard <laughs> to uh, be elected into um, positions of power, should not should not squander this moment.
2: Well put, in my humble opinion. Uh- uh, Lenny, she'd be a rookie Alderman, but you sound pretty wise there. Uh, and uh, all right, Lenny, let's shift uh, from what went down yesterday uh, in the City Council and talk about what went down in you uh, know uh, on the north side of Chicago yesterday. Very horrible, horrific uh, murder. Uh, three, and this is the second time I want to say in three weeks, Lenny, I've lost track of time. Uh, Were uh, high school kids, uh, CPS high school kids. Uh, were victims of daylight uh, murders. It took place yesterday in Thorndale, uh, in your ward, uh, three students who I believe all went to Sen High School, Nicholas Sen High School. And uh, we're walking down the street, and a car pulled up, and some gunmen f- jumped out and fired away. And one 16-year-old, I think 16-year-old was, uh, how old he was, was, was murdered, and the two other in the hospital. Talk a little bit about what, the, what happened yesterday and uh, what you know about it. Go ahead, Lenny.
0: Yeah, so I was uh, on my way back from city council and uh, actually my director of engagement was with um, our state senator and his office and the Chamber of Commerce and a representative from Loyola um, walking down Broadway um, because they were doing a business walk and they saw a crowd of kids and they spilled out um, from Thorndale onto Broadway. Um, And there were um, many police there already um, because what had just happened was school was let out. so this is Thorndale. This is um, um, a very well used um, thoroughfare from the school to the red line. And it's also the border between um, two police districts, the 20th mm-hmm. district and the 24th district, and um, and there were there was a there was a another child trying to to give compressions and um, life to a um, victim that was that was on the ground. Mm. this is this is wrong, and. This should not be happening anywhere. It's the second time, like you said, at, at a CPS school in um, in just a few few weeks. I we had um the we had a a, a, a press conference um, where we had Mayor Brandon Johnson there, and we had the deputy mayors for. Um, Uh, community policing and education and the principals and um you know the community came out to to say that we're going to do something different we're going to do something better and we have to address the hurt that um that everyone is experiencing right now because this is this is something that doesn't happen in edgewater you know this is um this is um, a relatively, and maybe some would say, um, one of the safest uh, police districts in Chicago, the 20th district. And so, um, gun violence is um, is a is is not like um, in other wards. It's um, in and where um, other schools have to bring in, um, you know, trauma informed um, practitioners. To talk about um, incidents like this that happen in neighborhoods, um, you know, this is this is going to be a, um, a very long process for our young people um, who had to witness what happened, um, who called and um, to to get help from the police, um, and they they need time and space to do that. And um, but it's not like in other neighborhoods in Chicago where gun violence is a you know the norm and it it happens all the time um we we need to think about not normalizing gun violence um especially when it happens to to our children you know i'm a mother of of three and one of them is still a teenager and just a few years older than the than the child that was gunned down and no parent wants to bury their kid right so we have to do something better and um, we have to address the pain that um, not just um, you know the the families and the friends and the students but the community at large and do something different across the city
2: yeah you're absolutely correct uh, Lenny, and, um, had this conversation on the show, uh, many times before, um, there is, oh my goodness, uh, there's, it's just a brazen, uh, retaliatory mentality, uh, in, in the world, not just in the city of Chicago, uh, in many ways, it's all, it's in the world, uh, and, um, but this is happening here in our city. Uh, and the notion that there's somehow or other acceptable that uh, you got, you're mad at someone. So you just gun them down and you're, and you're 17 year old or 16 year old. You have access to the you're you're,
0: you're 15 years old, Ben. Yeah. You're 15 years old and you have access to yeah. guns. You know, I'm talking to Carol Friedman. I think you might've had her on her show. She's from Indivisible Isle nine, but she's, she's a former principal, you know, she's a sitting LSC member. And she said, you know, she's in Florida right now. And she said, it's happening everywhere, but you know what they're doing in Florida, Ben, they're trying to lower the age that you need to be to get a gun. What is that?
2: Yeah. By the way, I do know Carol Freeman, shout out Carol Freeman uh, for a brief like a year or so she was the principal at the grammar school where my kids uh where, where my kids went to so shout out carol freeman uh and um but yeah no i obviously there, there's so many dimensions to this you know there's so many dimensions is the the availability of guns is a huge part of it uh the uh the mentality that this is how you settle differences somehow or other that's enshrined in so many people's minds here in the city of Chicago. And as I said, across the world. Uh, And, and then the trauma, the the aftermath, the trauma. So who will be there uh, to help children that ascend navigate this? Uh, I hope we have the resources in our city and our Chicago public schools to, to deal with this. Um, Yeah. uh, And
0: not, and not just the Chicago public schools, right. It's got to be, uh, you know a, a a huge effort from every single agency and every single community member like where where is your role in this in this you know operation basically we we're gonna come together for a vigil tonight at seven o'clock at the church on Thorndale and um you know we, we're gonna have to dig deep Um, Each and every one of us, no matter if you're a resident or a a parent or a student or clergy or faith leader or business owner, you know, what what is your role in in um, creating a world where all the kids in it have what they need and they have safe passage to and from school not just in Edgewater, but every single sidewalk in Chicago and every single of our 77 community areas, you know? Um, and those are, those are real basic things, you know? We need to make sure that everybody's fed water, clean water, you know? We we need to make sure that they have a place to sleep. They can lock the door and feel safe at night. And then they have to see a vision where they they have a world that they want to live in you know where where they have uh, jobs, and um, you know that they have family and friends that they will support them, and um, and and have this mental support that they need, mental health supports that they need. If there's nothing else that we took from COVID, is that we need to destigmatize um, mental health. Um, but that that we can't stop there. There's so much disinvestment in Chicago, and we have to address the root causes. Um, Because if we don't, we're going to continue to spiral into this um, world where we just want to continue to lock people up, including 15-year-olds. And that's not the answer either. People must be held accountable. And they also need to get the help that they need to get on the right path. And parents, they need to do their thing, right? (laughs) But also, it takes a village, right? So. Um it really does, and so i i think about in in edgewater we're very very we're we're lucky in so many ways in edgewater to have the public amenities that add to a great quality of life you know um actual sidewalks that aren't broken, you know roads that are are fairly um well kept up you know we have we actually have roads that have curbs, you know there are some Chicago roads that don't have any curbs um we we you know we have a great transit system that runs through the ward and connects us to downtown and, and all over the city and we have great schools too and yet even with all of the things that we have we still are suffering from gun violence because people are not getting what they need especially our young people and and um yeah we we just have to do better so i'm again really grateful that we have Two, there are two police districts right on that border. So we are working with the commanders for each of those districts, and we're also working with the mayor's office because we have, you know, we've got to reimagine what public safety is, right? So let's start right now and um, and do it better, um, and make sure that these kids, all kids, have a reason to live.
2: Lenny, let's uh, move on and close with this. You mentioned something uh, in in that great riff you went on. You were talking about how in 2016, uh, you it, and many people like you became aware of the challenges, to put it mildly, our political system was facing with the election of Donald Trump and you got involved. Here we are. And that's pretty much where Lenny and I met. Uh, and uh, we were allies. I say it openly. Uh, we were allies. Uh, and uh, in opposition to Donald John Trump. So Lenny would always be uh, connecting me with people to come on the show uh, and talk about organizing in various communities, red, red districts, blue districts, whatever, swing districts. Here we are, Lenny. I can't believe this. Eight years later, Lenny, and wow. Donald John Trump, is he running again, and he, it doesn't matter. You know, sexual assault charges, I mean, convictions, of jury in New York, business fraud, inciting uh, an insurrection, you know, stealing government documents. Let's not forget that one. Uh, Just bizarre, twisted, weirdo behavior every day with an open mic. The man's a lunatic. 45% at least of the country is part of his cult. (laughs) My God. Damn, it is on one level. If it's like you're really into the abs- absurdist humor, it's funny, like they'll seize on any opportunity to fire up their little me- mega ites. And so, they now they're going after Taylor Swift, they're so weird and twisted. I don't know, Lenny. Put on put on your did you see this coming back in 2000 and was 17? Oh that's what man, this fight is never going to be over Lenny. And it's ongoing. You cannot, you can't let up for one second. Can you?
0: No, you cannot. You know, I remember, I remember my kids were younger, of course, at the time, eight years younger, and that they, they were showing me all these memes, you know, one of them was a hairdryer and it was, you know, you could, you could point to where the hair dryer would be but then it would point to Donald Trump's hair and then it would like shoot this way or that way and you know it was all funny and then he won and I I I could not even describe like you felt it too but I like I had to I felt like I had to hold it in with my kids and not you know share how how terrified I was uh, because of the rhetoric that he, with the words that he was using, you know, everything that he said about women and grabbing them, you know, I don't even want to say it, but he did. He said it over and over. And, and when your kids look at you, like what's happening, you know, you like, I could not do nothing. I mean, that was one of the the reasons why we met because I started organizing, you know, to get people out into the streets, right. Locally. And that was the whole Women's March, and you maybe uh, have stories about that, but that that whole story is about people organizing on every single continent, locally, to bring people together, to do a very symbolic thing, which is to march um, it, at their congressional capital or wherever they were. We went to D.C. We took ten thousand um, Illinoisans from um, from Chicago and all over the state. To DC to march on the streets, to walk in solidarity, to be together. I mean that—that's the whole point of gathering like that: to be together, to be in solidarity, to say that we—we we are not going to go back. We are, in, but in fact, we actually have less uh, reproductive rights than we did before. But beyond that, you know, we're not going to go back. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep marching. We're going to stay together, especially when you're talking about the rights of women and and um, LGBTQ plus rights, you know, we cannot go back, we have to keep marching forward. And so because of that moment, I came back, and I said, what can we do next? You know, we got to learn, oh, like, how can we get involved at the local level? And so at the local level, turns out I looked at who our congressional people were, and, and my congressperson was Jan Schakowsky. Jan Schakowsky is a representative of the 9th Congressional District and she happens to be one of the most progressive representatives in Congress. And so because of our relationship that we built with her through Indivisible, through the Women's March, we were able to work together to give her the strength that she needed. Well, she needed a strength, she Jan Schakowsky, but for her to say when she went to DC to say that my my my, my constituency you know, 100,000 of them or whatever, whatever the Congress people um, represent, they they want this. You know, I'm here to represent them. And that's that's what I am doing now, you know, and working with Jan Schakowsky to say that I am representing um, the people in Edgewater and the 48th Ward. But that's what we have to continue to do because everything that we want, we can start it at the local levels. And that is where the power is. Because because that is that's where we live every day, Ben. You know, I am really grateful that I met you at this time. You know, I learned a lot about media. You know, it reaffirmed reaffirmed my belief that um, media is so essential to a strong, healthy, working democracy. And so we have to take care of our journalists because they are on the front lines. They are the ones that are that are really listening to the stories and. And they are curating the narrative that we need to make right now, which is that democracy matters, and um, getting involved in local issues matter, and especially in Chicago, where you know we are a, a world of activists, we're a you know a, a town of unions. We we know that we have been organizing for this long, but we we need the media there too, right, to be on our side, and so it's so important. For us to continue to have these real relationships not social media relationships that's that is um you know a world that is fraught with trolls and disinformation and misinformation and and that is that's where we can fall off the world you know by the way the philippines is like the number one use um country of facebook you know because it's free it's um you know it's an easy way to keep in touch and but there's just too, there's too many ways that it can be twisted and used and um, used against you in a very, very frightening ways. And and we know that because we've heard about it in our schools and how social media can be a place where, you know, kids' self-esteem is dependent on the number of likes that you get. And that really does erode on their self-esteem and, and their self-worth. And that can lead to disastrous consequences so that is another reason why we need to keep in touch with each other we make real communities in real time um like this right now you know we could be chatting too you could have sent me the questions, but no uh this is this is way more valuable and this is why you know i love you ben and we'll all you do and uh we just need to we need you need to keep these conversations going and um make sure that Every, you know, not only our government um, continues along a path that we can trust um, those that represent us, but also media is also sharing the story of what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And I believe, and, you know, if we don't have those two things in place, as, as, as well as community engagement, um, we are going to fail and we are going to lose the democracy that we love so much here.
2: That is great riff, Lenny. And we'll close, since you mentioned media, we'll close with this. Shout out uh, Gregory Pratt, dear friend of this show, uh, and uh, all his Chicago Tribune uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, Greg, I just want you to know, if you're listening, and I know you will be eventually into this, did not click on any Tribune link today, okay? I am not crossing that picket line, that electronic picket line that you set up. So, uh uh, in support of the reporters, the journalists at the Tribune, who are really dealing with <laughs> don't get me started about all. And that's a whole other story. Capitalism in the media. And yeah, that's a whole other thing, uh, Lenny, uh, figuring out a new way to um, support media uh, as we head off. And the old ways have obviously failed. Uh, we could see that in just how the newspapers themselves have shrunk. Uh, in the city. So we have to figure out new ways of doing that as well. So shout out Greg Pratt I'm with you.
0: I'm pretty well, sure you, Lane... can, you can also um, thank Taylor Swift, you know, talking about using your platforms for good. Right. You know, one of the things that I did was to um, get people registered to vote. And I thought that I was pretty good at it, but it's nothing compared to <laughs> Taylor Swift and what, what she's doing with one post, one yeah. social media post. She's got like, 35,000 new voter registrations during National Voter Registration Day in September and her cat is worth like millions now because of um because of their social his social their social media influence. I mean, we need every single person who has a platform to just take the first step and encourage their friends and families to check their voter registration or register yeah. to vote if you're if you're eligible to vote um because it matters it really does
2: uh yeah yeah uh, uh shout out taylor swift hey Taylor. by the way if you're listening more than free to come on the Ben she show. love to have you on you can bring your boyfriend too mr travis kelsey what the hell uh no that taylor swift thing is a complete joke it's a, uh maga has lost its freaking mind and uh <laughs> like I said, Lenny, it's scary, but it's there's also an absurdity to it all that is. If you just remove yourself from the threat of danger of fascism in this country and the laws of democracy, then you could just like smile like Donald Trump and MAGA. They're so insane; they can't, they're incapable of hearing how insane they are with the things they say, <laughs> like the notion that the NFL football league is somehow or other ginned up a conspiracy to reelect Joe Biden. The owners of the NFL are some of the most conservative capitalists in the world. They love Donald Trump's tax policies. Are you kidding me? Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to go on that insane riff. Uh, Lenny, I'll let you get back to your day. I know you're really busy. Thank you so much. We had a few technical glitches at the outset of the show, but we uh, settled into a groove and it, I think it ended well. So, uh, whoever your IT people are, thank them as well. I saw somebody hovering in the background; I don't know who it was, and uh, we'll bring you back uh, real soon. It's been too long. All right, Lenny.
0: Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. All
2: right, that's Lenny Hoppenworth. Also, want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. I think Lenny will agree with me when I say, "Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody."
1: And remember, you can stay updated on all things Jorofsky at chicagoreader.com and all things Chicago at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben on Instagram at Benny J Show. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow the Ben Jorofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.